chapter 3. You know, it's, it's amazing the aspects of what someone is able to do, and it is considered to be cute and funny, and then if someone else did it, it wouldn't be. You know, you, you love to see a, a little boy, two or three year old, you know, go into his bedroom and over his jammas he pulls on a pair of red underwear over his jammas and he ties a sheet around his neck and, and he comes running out like he's Superman and everything. And, and you see that and you think, how cute, how creative. But if dad goes and does the same thing, you think, what a nutcase, you know what I'm saying? And rightfully so. <clears throat> um, you know, in parenting, there's certain things that they do when they're little that it's, it's really cute and, and you let it go, but it doesn't take long till it's not so cute anymore. And what used to get laughs and snickers... The kids are thinking, you're telling me, no, don't do that now. Why? It, before you used to smile and think, oh, look at little Junior, you know. And um, so this aspect of parenting presents some unique challenges. But it is amazing <clears throat> what kids are able to come up with without being instructed at all in in attacking one another and name-calling and, and the sort. And one of the first things <clears throat> that they often learn in calling a brother or sister or a neighbor kid or someone else is if they don't get their way or something happens, you a baby, you a baby. Now, where do they get that? How do they know that's not a compliment? But they know. I mean, I don't know any parent that says, hey, when things don't go your way and you want to really get under someone's skin, just say to them, you a baby. But they come up with stuff like that, don't they? Well, I'm not here to tell you that it's biblical for them to say that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's basically what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. Notice, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hereunto you were not able to bear it, neither now are you able to bear it, for you are carnal. Because there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal or fleshly and walk as men? One saith, I am of Paul. And another, oh, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Are you not fleshly? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? They are but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul is writing and he says, I planted... Apollos watered, 
but it is God that gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own record reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Heavenly Father, we ask for your direction and wisdom today. We acknowledge our complete and utter dependence on you. And I pray that as a result of our time together today, that number one, you would be pleased with the, the truth and our response to the truth And, Lord, that then there would be fruit that would remain for your honor and glory. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul called the believers at Corinth, in essence, he called them babies. He said, "Um, I, I wanted to write unto you as spiritual, as mature, but I, I could not do that. Notice if you'd look in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. He said, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he's addressing Um, Throughout this letter, he's addressing a problem with their immaturity. That, That basically, they had come to Christ, but somewhere along the line, they had failed to grow in Christ. There is a, a great misunderstanding in the aspect of contentment. There is a good contentment that means whatever comes my way that God allows into my life, I thank Him for it. I have a spirit of gratefulness, and I want to respond right. That is a good contentment. A bad contentment is this is where I am, this is how I am, and I'm always the same. No, we ought to be growing continually in the Christian life. We should be different than we were a year ago. We should be reflecting the nature of God more. There's a bad contentment that says, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm just waiting for the Lord to take me there. Well, If that's all there was to the Christian life, the moment someone got saved, God ought to just strike them down, take them to heaven. But God has purpose and plans for us, and those purpose and plans involve growing, involve maturing. You know, it's it's always a, a blessing to to see young people grow and mature, and and some days you, you've been around these young people, but some days you see them as a little different and you think, wow, that, that little rug rat that used to be around here, or that, that young man, that boy, he's turning into a man. 
and and you see the physical maturity and and you respond and that's natural that's normal that's good but what paul is addressing here is we have a lot of believers that have just always stayed the same and they're still at the infancy stage they're they're still a baby immaturity has always been a problem in the family of God. And Paul is addressing this here. He also wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. And he said, I, I want you to be students of the word. And, and I want you to understand the principles of God. And he said, I want you so that you're no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every doctrine that comes along that you may grow up in Christ and in the knowledge of Him. In Hebrews chapter 5, he, we find God addressing the, the issue again in, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. He says, I have many things to say unto you, but you are, but they are hard to be under, uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you should be teachers, you have need that someone come and teach you again the first principles of God. And you are become such as have need of milk, a baby, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So, and those are just a sampling of scriptures that say, wait a minute, you should be on the meat and you're back on the milk level. Now, I'm not saying there should never be a milk level. There is. A person becomes born again. Then they desire the basic principles of God, the milk, but they may grow. But they grow and they mature beyond infancy. Immaturity has always been a problem. Someone has spelled out some examples of, in particular, emotional immaturity, and they went through some basic stages. I'm, I'm just going to read you some of these, and I want you to think of your own life. I don't want you thinking of the person sitting next to you, or the person that's not here today, or the person, some other person in your life. I want you to think and see, okay, does this apply to me? Does this, is this an identifying mark of uh, a sign of immaturity in my life? Infants that are immature look for others to take care of them, have great difficulty entering into the world of others, are driven by the need for instant gratification, and use others as an object to meet their needs. These are... Emotional infants. Children, one step up, 
are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. They unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. Now, don't, don't, don't picture this as just children. Think about, is this, am I a child? Do I unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials? They interpret disagreements as personal offenses. They are easily hurt. They complain, withdraw, manipulate, take revenge, become sarcastic when they don't get their way. They have great difficulty calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature, loving way. Those are not the infants. Now we've moved to children. Adolescents tend to be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism, Keep score of what they give so they can ask for something in return. Adolescents in maturity level are good scorekeepers. I've done this, this, and this for them, and they have done Zippo for me. They deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting, or ignoring the issue entirely. They become preoccupied with themselves, have great difficulty truly listening to another person. Now, adults are able to ask and explain and discuss their preferences, their needs in direct manner and honestly. They recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings They can, even when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial, without becoming um, contagious. They respect others without them necessarily agreeing with them. They appreciate people for who they are and what God is doing in their lives. They have a capacity to resolve conflict maturely, and negotiate solutions that consider the perspectives of others. Now, as you go through those, that's just a sampling of things. But you know, you, th- you think of your own life, and it, we ought to be saying, God, help me to see where I am a baby, where I am a child, where spiritually I need to develop to show genuine maturity in my life. Maturity, immaturity, rather, immaturity is really heretical. In understanding this, by heretical, I mean it is opposed to the Word of God. It is opposed to the nature of God. When we grow content in our immaturity, when we um, explain it away and rationalize it, And I maintain, and I believe God maintains, that an immature spirit is heretical because, number one, it rejects the plan of God. It is not God's plan that we remain always the same. It is not God's plan that we be babies, that we even be children. It is God's plan that we grow, that we become mature in our life and our spiritual life, that we 
we reflect his nature. Immaturity rejects the plan of God. It denies the power of God. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my life. I still pout. I still manipulate. I still am easily offended. What? Where's the power of God if He can't change we as Christians? We say, oh, He saved me from my sin. He's given me a home in heaven. That's the power of God. The power of God should be seen in what He's done in our heart and life. That it, it's no longer an egocentric life I live. No longer a self-centered life that I live. By continuing in immaturity, I deny the power of God. God isn't able to save me. He isn't able to change me. It hinders the work of God. Story after story from now till the Lord comes again could be told how immaturity has destroyed the work of God in individuals' lives, in families, in churches, and on and on it goes. And it hurts the people of God. Because of our immaturity, because of not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, there are, there are damaged lives that are strewn all throughout the world because we're babies. I don't know how else to say it other than to say it like Paul said. That I don't get my way or I don't, I don't, people don't appreciate me or whatever it is. And it, it denies the plan of God and the power of God. It hinders the work of God and it brings hurts to the people of God. When there is genuine spiritual maturity, there is a sensitivity to the needs of others. There is a, a desire to walk in the Spirit and be a peacemaker. There is a patience that, that rules in our hearts. There is a prayerful attitude that permeates us. And we could go on and on, but I want us to look at how do I become mature in Christ? Maturity begins with birth. We must be born again. You can't be mature in Christ by just putting on, do this and do this and do this. There must be spiritual life. And you must be born again. There must come a time where you say, you understand, I am spiritually dead. I have no life spiritually in me. I am in rebellion against God in my sin, and my rebellion against God has brought the, the judgment of God upon my life, and I need forgiveness of sins, and it can't be found in baptism, it can't be found in good works, it can't be found in religion, it can't be found in myself, it can't be found in church membership, it is found only in Jesus Christ. And when we come to the point where in humility... We bow before God and say, God, I desperately need your forgiveness. I have sinned against you, and I am not worthy of your forgiveness, but I call upon Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection 
for the forgiveness of my sins, then we have spiritual life. We must be born again. But maturity is directly related and it depends upon the Word of God. We must be much in the Word. If you are not, if you or I are not in the Word of God, we will not grow to maturity. That's all there is to it. If we do not, if a, if a baby does not take in the proper nourishment, it will not grow to maturity. Just because we come to church, that is, that's nowhere near enough to produce spiritual maturity. We must personally be in the Word. As a newborn babe desires the milk of the Word that you may grow, First Peter chapter 2 tells us. Second Timothy chapter 3, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be mature, completely furnished for every good work, Take a look at at your life this last week, this last month. How would you describe your relationship with the Word of God? If if all you get is is what you get at church, if all you get is is just a a two-minute little reading, you are not going to grow to maturity. It doesn't matter. I want to respond right at work. This guy bothers me at work, and I want to respond right. I want to do what is right. You're not going to be able to do it because you haven't been feeding your soul and your soul is malnourished and you will not be able to respond as a mature believer. Maturity is empowered by the Spirit of God. We take the Word of God and as we we saturate in the Word of God, The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and brings it home to our heart. And he says, this is an area now where I want you to change. This is a truth that I want you to rest in. This is an action that I want you to take. And sometimes the Spirit of God asks us to do things that are kind of hard for us. And always the Spirit of God asks us to do things that goes against the flesh because the flesh wars against the Spirit and the Spirit wars against the flesh and these two are contrary the one to the other. And so when we yield to the Spirit, then we're going to grow spiritually. When we resist the Spirit, we are going to shrivel up. We're, we're losing the lifeblood. This last week when it got hot and um, we forgot to water some of the blueberry bushes, Marilyn came in and said, man, the blueberries are loaded, but some of them are already shriveling up. Why? They had everything there except what they needed to grow. And spiritually speaking, If we do not get the Word of God and obey the Spirit of God, it doesn't matter all that is there. We will shrivel up as a water-starved plant. 
And oftentimes that spiritual immaturity in our life is because we've come to a point where we've said no to the Spirit of God. When we say no to the Spirit of God, it immediately stunts our growth. It it immediately hinders our growth. That's why he said in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, he said, "I, I had some great things to tell you, but I can't tell you because you're dull of hearing. You used to be, you used to really hear and obey, but there came a point where you quit obeying and the dullness of hearing. You, you just, you're not able to hear it anymore. To become mature in Christ means that we need to submit to God because suffering creates a prime opportunity for maturity. Suffering doesn't produce maturity. Suffering produces a prime opportunity for us to mature. You've heard about and maybe seen huge eagles' nests made of huge branches, and, and then they bring in smaller branches, and down in the base even thorns and sharp rocks, and they found the incredible items in eagles' nests. But then she lines the nest with a padding of wool and feathers and fur from animals that she has killed and makes it as soft, comfortable as she can for the eggs. But by the time the eaglets reach a flying age, the comfort of the nest and the luxury of the free meals make them quite reluctant to leave. That's when the mother eagle begins stirring up her nest. With her strong talons, she begins pulling the thick carpet of fur and feathers, bringing the sharp rocks and branches to the surface. As more of the bedding gets plucked up, the nest becomes more and more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Eventually, this and other urgings prompt the eaglets to leave their once comfortable abode and move on to more mature behavior. You say, what's God doing in our nation? I think he's stirring up the nest. And he's given us an opportunity to mature spiritually. He's given us an opportunity to grow and, and to learn to have a dependence on him that we've never had before. God brings suffering into our lives at times, allows it into our lives. Sometimes it's our own choices that bring it in. Sometimes it's not. It's out of our control. But suffering throughout the Bible, you cannot read Scripture, you cannot identify with Christ without understanding that God uses suffering to produce growth in His children. It's an opportunity for us. 
But we must understand that maturity involves many failures. So that means we must persevere. I mean, I, I marvel when I, when I see a, a little kid learning to walk. And, you know, there's that first they stand up and they hold this and, and then they let go and then they fall down. How many times do they fall down? But they persevere to learn to walk because they are maturing. How many times Christians fall down and never get up? Stumble over an offense that's come into their life and hang on to that and suck their thumb about that and lay with their security blanket and they're a babe the rest of their lives. Why? Because they never get up. Yes, maybe I was offended by that, but you know what? I'm not going to be carrying my my heart on my shirt sleeve, so to speak. I'm going to endure hardness as a good soldier, and I'm I'm going to get up from this. Maturity involves many failures, but we must persevere and understand there is no overnight success to maturity. We must be patient. Growth is the result of long obedience in the same direction. We yearn for shortcuts. Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists visiting a picturesque village, and and they walk by an old man sitting beside a fence, and in a rather patronizing way, one of the tourists asks, Were any great men born in this village? The old man wisely replied, Nope, only babies. There are no great men born. There are no great Christians that just happen. It takes day after day after day of feeding on the Word of God, of obeying the Spirit of God, of submitting to the will of God, of getting up when you fail, and patiently, patiently, patiently walking with God. Maturity doesn't happen overnight. Physically, they may take the human growth hormones and and may produce mighty muscles and go from 185 to 250 in solid muscle. But it's artificial. Spiritually speaking, the giants of the faith didn't become giants of the faith overnight. Amy Carmichael once penned these thoughts. She said, Sometimes we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors We feel almost despondent. I feel that I'll never be like them. But they won step by step by little bits of wills, by little denials of self, by little inward victories, by faithfulness in very little things. 
They became what they are. No one sees the little steps that were taken. They only see the accomplishments. But even so, those small steps were taken. There is no sudden triumph to spiritual maturity. That is the work of the moment. And that's why we read in Scripture, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. We yearn for short, shortcuts, but shortcuts usually lead away from growth. Apply the principle of Job. The final result of Job's testing, what was the result of it? Faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it is the result of having been shaken. Job's faith could not be shaken because it had already been shaken. And in the furnace of the heat of the trials, his faith was purified little by little by little. There is no overnight success to spiritual growth. We want to be the giants of the faith. And as Amy Carmichael, they didn't become giants of the faith except one step, one step, one little faithfulness here, one little denial of self, one yes to the Spirit of God here. And it doesn't seem like it's a big thing. It isn't a big thing. But you put one obedience and one obedience and one submission to the Spirit of God, and you keep putting that faithfully together, and God produces growth. It was always fascinating to the four of us boys in our family. Every We lived in Minnesota at the time, and every three years, we'd pile in a a car and drive all the way out to Washington and Oregon. And that was in the ancient days. We didn't have horse and buggy, but we didn't have freeways either, okay? And and drive all the way out there and hadn't seen Grandpa and Grandma for three years and our aunts and uncles, and they'd always, my, how you've grown. And we always want to say, duh, what are we supposed to do? Stay the same, you know? I mean, it's just a natural thing. When you don't see someone for a while, it's all, wow, my, how you've grown. But you know what? When you're in it, you don't see that you're growing. But you keep doing the right thing. And someday, our spiritual maturity will be revealed. Someday... Will it be, this is what you could have and should have been spiritually, and this is what you are. And we will suffer loss. Or will it be, look at, this is what you put into your life, and this is what it produced, and look at your growth. And someday, 
Your spiritual maturity will be revealed. We can fool some of the people and make them think that we're spiritual, but you know what? God only knows our heart. William Law said, If you stop and ask yourself why you are not so devoted as the early Christians, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability but purely because you never thoroughly intended it to be so. It isn't because we don't know enough. It isn't because of inability, because whatever God calls us to do, He gives us the power to do it. It is purely because we never intended it. Is it your desire to grow spiritually? Is that your desire? God, I do not want to be a baby. I do not want to be um, growth challenged. I do not want to be hindered. I do not want to dishonor your name. I do not want to deny your plan. I do not want to hurt others by my immaturity. God, would you help me to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord? Someday, our spiritual maturity will be revealed. Heavenly Father, I pray that we today as believers would make it our intentional purpose to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that you would show me and show us our immaturity, and that by the power of your Spirit working through the Word of God in our lives, that we would take the steps of action that would produce growth in us, would provide encouragement for others, and would truly glorify you. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that has never personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today they would do that. Lord, that that they would realize nothing they do can take away their sin except the blood of Jesus Christ and calling upon you. Lord, would you find in us hearts that are committed and eager to grow, and that that growth would be manifested in our lives, in our homes, in our church, and in our community. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. In just a moment, Kathy's going to play the song, Change My Heart, O God.